Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There are 84 names that are mentioned in verses 1 through 27 as a cut covenant, remember? And the rest of the people and everyone who could hear with understanding also cut covenant with God. In verse 29, go ahead and look at it. They said, God, if we don't keep this covenant, may a curse come upon us. Then the Old Testament, listen, has a lot to say about oaths and vow taking. Numbers 30 Verse 2, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Ecclesiastes 5, 4, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 34 through 37, Jesus said, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is what saints, his footstool, nor by where? Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your what? No be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Jesus says, don't swear at all by heaven because it's God's throne or, or the earth because it's his footstool and don't swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And Jesus says, don't even swear by your own head because you can't make one hair white or black. Now, obviously, this is before the days of Grecian formula. (laughs) Do they still make that stuff? Or like uh, hair color. This is before those days, obviously. Nowadays, you can make your hair any color you want, and people do. But Jesus says, listen, this isn't a reason to to say, just let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. The reason Jesus is saying this is because the Pharisees abused oath-taking. Listen, they actually put oath-taking in two, in two classes, the binding vows and the non-binding vows, or the binding cut covenants and the non-binding cut covenants. And if you use God's name, it was binding, but if you didn't, then it wasn't. So you could say, I swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem and not use God's name, and you didn't have to keep your oath or your vow. It's almost like I was thinking, like, remember when you were a kid and you used to, like, um, swear? 
and you would like cross your fingers and put them behind your back, and you go, I'm, I, I'll do it, I'll do it, I am going to do it. You got, you know, got your feet, or, you know, and then if they say, I'm looking behind your back, and you go, oh, okay, and then you cross your eyes. <laughs> You're crossing your eyes. It's almost like if you cross your eyes or you cross your fingers, it nullifies the oath of some sort. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to make a vow. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. But if you make a vow, then it's important to keep it. Did you hear me? If you make a vow, it's important to keep it. Couples? Aha! Gotcha. If you make a vow, it's important to keep it. We live in a culture of covenant-breaking people. Isn't that true? We live in a culture of covenant-breaking people, and that's why when you buy something today or you agree to something, you better get it in writing or they make you sign a stack of papers this thick because people break vows. How quickly we forget, how quickly, how quickly we forget, for better or worse, for richer or poor, for in sickness and in health, until death do us part. We promise to love and to cherish and to honor or until the coming of our Lord. Because we say that in my vows I give, until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How quickly we forget. Love is not a passing emotion. It's a continued devotion. Hmm. You should write that down. Love is not a passing emotion. It's a continued devotion. Marriage is a commitment you make and a vow you take and a covenant you make before the Lord. And I think part of the problem in marriages today is that they don't understand that marriage is cut, cutting a covenant. When you make a vow in the marriage, listen, you're cutting a covenant. Yes, you're cutting a covenant. Malachi 2.14 Yet she is your companion. Write that down. Malachi 2.14. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Marriage is a covenant between a husband and wife. You know, when me and Miss LV uh, got married, and uh, I don't, man, I called you Miss LV. I haven't called you LV in, oh my goodness. I, you know what? At, wow, where'd that come from? I, well, because I used to call her LV all the time. I mean, probably for 20 plus years of being married, I would call her LV or, remember I used to call you LV? Why did I stop? I don't know. Maybe because we got here and you started calling me Pastor Rodney, I started calling you Miss E. Because now I changed from LV to Miss E. At least they rhyme, LV, Miss E. You see? Y'all ain't know I was a rapper. I do that in my spare time. <laughs> but, you know, when we first got married, I don't even know why I said that. That was just weird. When we first got married, uh, you know, we didn't really, we didn't only say I do in front of our family and our friends and, and, and you know, uh, uh, frenemies and because uh, we had all kind of people at our wedding. But and, uh, we didn't only say I do in front of all of those people. We said I do most importantly before God. And when someone decides to divorce, it becomes clear that they don't understand covenant. Because when you understand that marriage is a covenant, it's that covenant that is the bond that holds you together. 
A covenant is stronger than romantic love. A covenant is stronger than what makes you happy. Somebody need to be listening. A covenant is stronger than what makes you happy. A covenant is stronger than romantic love. A covenant is stronger than how beautiful she is. Because you're looking at how beautiful she is. Well, you know, hey, time goes by. Everybody gets older. Should I even have gone down this lane? I don't even know. Well, you know what I'm saying. Uh, fellas, uh, say, man, where y'all at? <laughs> You ain't right. He said, you're on your own. I'm like, why don't you get on your own? (laughs) Never fails. (laughs) I mean, here's what I'm saying. Times change, things change, all kinds of situations. Life comes at you fast. In a marriage situation, life comes at you fast, and situations come at you fast, and, 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 and feelings even change. They do. That's the reality of life. But you don't get married because you are so, because you feel so in love. That is no reason to get married. I feel so in love with my German shepherd, I'm not going to marry him. <laughs> Some of y'all got cat, and you feel so in love with your cat, you're not going to marry them. <laughs> I am trying. Well, you <laughs> but I mean, I'm saying, it, it, you know, life comes at you fast, and you don't get married because of, of love. You get married because of uh, that you love them, and you feel like God has brought them to you to be your partner and your help me for the rest of your life, and you make a covenant no matter what changes no matter how things turn out no matter what direction things go the covenant is stronger than than anything that will come against your marriage and that will keep you together the problem is i'm gonna wait while somebody clap their hands there the problem is people don't understand cutting covenant that's the problem you don't understand cutting covenant you don't understand that when you get married You're making a covenant before God. You're signing the dotted line. There ain't no looking back. There ain't no turning back. When you make a covenant, you're saying that that, that I'm turning my back on the world and I'm giving myself wholeheartedly to you. And what are the chances, even here in our text, that that all of these people would keep their Keep, the, keep their vow. Probably very few of them will live up to their vow that they made, but that's exactly why Jesus came to pay the price for our sins. These people weren't saying that they were super saints who'll never fail or fall short. They were trying to show how serious they were about living right and doing what God told them to do. And they're willing for God to even curse them if they turn away. Honestly, if you're going to make an oath or a vow or a promise, This is one worth making. God, we're going to live right according to your word. God, we're we're, we're not going to allow the world to dictate to us what's right and wrong. God, we're not going to let Oprah's life class teach us how to live. 
Uh-huh. We're not going to let the world dictate how we live. They vowed to live right. And then they got more specific with the vow to follow the wisdom of God in their relationships. Point number two, they vowed right relationships in verse 30. Go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. They said, we will not give our daughters as wives to the peoples of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. This commandment is given to the parents. Because in those days, marriages were arranged by parents. So they've made a vow to live right, and now they make a vow to have right relationships. This is a promise of separation. You might want to write that down. It's a promise of separation. What separation? Separation is simply total devotion to God no matter the cost. When a man marries a woman, they separate themselves for each other. They separate themselves from all other possible mates and they give themselves totally and completely to the other. Israel was to be separate from the nations around them and separated to the word of God. Did you see that in verse 28? They were to separate themselves from the world and then be separated to the law of God. This is very important, saints. Listen, notice from the world, to the word. If you separate from something, then you need to separate to something else. It's never enough to be separated from something. You must also be separated to something else. So God wanted Israel separated from the world because he didn't want them to be corrupted by false gods as well as their moral standards to be lowered. You see, when two people got married in the ancient world, they would solidify their commitment in the presence of their God, small g. They would give, their, give each other idols and then put them in a prominent place in the house. Also, God didn't want them unequally yoked because it would lead to those nations causing Israel to decline morally. I think of 1 Kings 11, 1 and 2. Listen. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edenites, and the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, it says. Joshua twenty-three thirteen. But they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. God wanted his people to be separate and to have right godly relationships. Did you know, listen, God hates mixture. God hates mixture. God hates mixed marriages. What you talking about, Willis? Not what you think. God doesn't want us to be mixed married to the world. When the Bible talks about mixed marriages, the Bible is not talking about black people and white people or Asian people and white people or uh, any other two races of people. When the Bible talks about mixed marriages, the Bible is talking about the believer and the non-believer. Somebody clap your hands and get happy about that. Is that right about it? Is that right? 
the believer and the non-believer or, or, or mixed married to the world. God doesn't want us to be unequally yoked to the world. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 16 memory verse. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has what saints light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Balao or what part has a believer with what an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols. Somebody read this with me for you are the temple of the living God. And then in verse 17 and 18, it says, therefore, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. God wants his people to be separate from the world. God wants the church to be separate from the world. Somebody say amen. But it seems to me, and I don't know, have you noticed this? It seems to me the longer the Lord tarries, it seems the church is becoming more and more like the world marketing schemes and programs and methods and all kinds of things. Listen, you guys know I'm talking, we're talking about building a new sanctuary and I can't wait. They're putting together a presentation so I can show you like a 3D presentation and we'll all get excited and see what the Lord has done and we'll all clap our hands and and God's going to build another sanctuary. I believe it's done. It is, it is done. It's just a matter of we're going through processes now. It's done. I know that. God's already shown me. But I can honestly tell you, and you have my word, we will not be selling cupcakes to raise money. We won't be having marketing schemes to raise money. I mean, people come to me with all kinds of things. And, you know, I know they mean well. But those kinds of things, honestly, you know, uh, bang, I, I remember one time somebody told me that, you know, if the uh, bank was saying, you know, if we had asked so many people to open up an account at their bank, they'll kick back 10% to our church and all of these kinds of things. And, 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 and those things might be good. I'm not saying those things are bad. I am saying that I do not feel the Lord wants to build our church that way. That, that God has brought us where you hear on Sunday. God has brought us a mighty long way. And we have come this way. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands down. I'll wait. And we have come this way by faith. We have never begged for money. We've never had marketing. We've never even taken up an offering in the room that you are currently sitting in. Never. Never. We take up an offering at Dorton Arena just because it makes sense. All those people there, somebody might steal something. <laughs> no, no, I said that. Why did I say that? I meant <laughs> it just makes sense. But all of those kinds of things, listen, I, I'm fine with that. I really believe that God wants us to 
come together as the body of Christ and to give to his work as we are supposed to as mature, strong believers who are being fed a steady diet of the word of God. God is calling us to be obedient to his word, just like he's calling them in Nehemiah to be obedient to his word and to bring the gifts necessary into the church that his house might be built. I do not believe God wants me to look to the world to get to get that kind of you know money into the church to build God's house I don't feel that way is that the best clapping y'all can do I, I think you can clap better than that and I just honestly feel like the Lord wants me to just trust him don't get me wrong it ain't easy It's not easy. It's difficult, actually. Because your flesh wants to do its thing, to do what it needs to do, to make it happen, baby. Come on, make it happen. Do it, do it, do it. You got to make it happen. You, 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 you got to make it happen. Come on, flesh, do your thing. Oh, you know some people call these people, do this, do that, do that. And God is saying, no, 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 no. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Don't you do anything. Don't you do anything. Rodney, you just wait on me. And then when, when the building is built and we're sitting there, we're worshiping God, I can honestly stand at that platform and say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. It's God's house. And God's people should care enough about God's house to give to it. And they should, according to scriptures, care as much about God's house as they care about their own house. Read Haggai. I was reading it today, chapter one and chapter two. God told the people in Haggai that they weren't prospering and they they wouldn't prosper. Listen to me, that they wouldn't prosper, God said, because you made money, God says, and I blew it out of your hands. You looked for much and it became little. Why? You were looking for rain and I called a drought. Haggai 2.9, because God said my house was in ruins while every one of you runs to your own house and it's nice. God says my house is in ruins and your house is nice. Therefore, whatever you do to try to make money, I'm going to let that money get right through your fingers. You're not going to be able to prosper because your priorities are not right. And I think that when our priorities are right, then God will prosper us. That's why we've always kept, no matter what, no matter what, we've always kept the priority of just teaching verse by verse through the scriptures. No matter what storms have come and gone. No matter what winds have blown and no matter who, what Satan has sought to come against us and whatever weapon Satan has pulled out of his bag of tricks to try to come against us. All I know is if I just stay close to this book, please, somebody hear me. If I come just stay close to this book, and this applies to you too, you stay close to this book no matter what comes, no matter what goes, God will prosper you. God will advance you. God will fight your 
battles, you don't have to fight your battles. God will fight your battles. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. But what we have to do is do what we know to do, and that is stay close to the word of God and continue going through the scriptures, continue reading the Bible. Satan tried to get you off course and, and try to call you down to the valley of oh no. Were you here? Chapter 6. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, come down here. Come on down here. Stop building. Stop, you know, on the wall. You got the trowel in one hand and sword in the other. Come on down to the valley of oh no. You know what I told you? When Satan tells you to come down to the valley of oh no, you say, oh no. We better move on. Right living, right relationships. Point number three, I have more to say, but we better move on. Rest right. I want to tell you this. Rest right. Look at verse 31. If the peoples of the land bought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath. Now they promised to keep the Sabbath. The Jewish people went into Babylonian captivity. You know this for 70 years because for 490 years, they failed to observe the Sabbath year. In other words, they didn't observe that seventh year Sabbath rest. So God said, Israel, you owe me a debt and I'm going to collect. God allowed them to go into captivity for 70 years. 70 times seven or seven times 70 is 490. And every seventh year, they had several responsibilities. If someone was working for you, to pay off a debt in the seventh year, you were to forgive that debt according to Deuteronomy 15. In the seventh year, if you were a farmer for six years, you could till the ground and plant. In the seventh year, you couldn't touch the land. You had to let it go grow fallow. And then uh, the foreigners and the poor and the orphans were allowed to come and help themselves to your land. So God said you had to allow the land to rest in the seventh year and you couldn't plant again until going into the eighth year. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.